You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. We are doing a series called In the Beginning, and for the last month we have been working our way through Genesis and looking at a bunch of the different stories and a bunch of the different people and things that go on. In that very first book of the Bible, uh, written supposedly by Moses, but it's a jam-packed full book, and there are so many different things that we could look at in Genesis, and I think it's an incredibly important book because it lays a whole bunch of the foundations that help us understand uh, who God is and, and our faith. And, um, but I do want to encourage you, I actually want to take a moment in this beginning of this message to encourage you, don't just rely on the messages on this Sunday to teach you about what is in that book. Really go in and, and read it a lot as we go along the way and really dig deep yourself and begin to discover some of those things for yourself in your own reading time. Today, though, we're going to be looking at Noah's Ark a story you're probably, many of you are familiar with, but just so that we, are, we all know what's going on, I'm going to summarize this story for you. I'm really believing today as we work through this message, you know, I really got a sense this morning as I was preparing and even through uh, the week that we've had that today I'm believing is going to stir some faith in people, really believe that God has got a plan for you to be here today and whether you uh, wanted to be here or somebody's dragged you along, I just totally believe Uh, that God has actually got an agenda for your life. He's got a plan for you and he wants to speak to you today. And I'm really hoping that as you leave this place, that your faith's just gonna be stirred a little bit more. You're gonna be uplifted in your circumstance uh, and that God is, you know, I just know that God has got something for you today. So let's summarize the story, the story of Noah's Ark. The world was evil. So much so, in fact, that God, the Bible says that God regretted even making them. Like, that's harsh. Ouch, Lord, like, that sounds mean. Uh, in fact, the Bible says there was only one man, one man who was found blameless, and his name was Noah. And in our story, God asks Noah to build an ark, a boat, to save his family and a male and female of every, li- every living uh, thing from a flood that would engulf the whole earth and dest- wipe out all of mankind. The Bible says that Noah did everything just as God commanded him to. He built the ark. He loaded it with everyone on board, including all the animals that God had asked him to. Then it says that God shut the door and the rain began to fall for 40 days and 40 nights. They drifted for another 150 days before the flood stopped. The flood waters stopped rising. It was another 200 plus days after that that they were instructed. God says to them, leave the ark to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth again. And you will also remember that this is the story in which we, uh, in which God places a rainbow. Sometime after the flood, God places a rainbow in the sky. And it's a reminder to us even today of God's covenant made to his people and gives us a promise that he will never ever flood the whole earth in the same way again. Now, as I studied the story of Noah, and as I re-looked at this character and looked a bit deeper and asked a few questions of it, it dawned on me that out of all the biblical faith heroes, of which there are many, Noah is probably the least impressive. Like, I mean, on a hero scale, Noah could probably liken, be likened to, say, the Batman of superheroes. I mean, I don't want to offend, please, please, I don't want to offend any Batman fans over here. I mean, personally, uh, myself and my family are Marvel fans. 
I don't, I don't want to offend anyone who is a big supporter of Batman, but you have to agree with me that when it comes to superheroes, Batman is probably the least, I mean, Batman's only superpower is that he's rich and has cool gadgets, right? I mean, he does not have laser eyes. He, how cool would it be to have laser eyes? He can't walk through walls. He has not got super speed. He can't even fly without his gadgets. He, he, he wasn't bitten by a spider. He does not have spidey powers. He really is the least impressive. When I look at Noah, his hero status, I mean, it was obtained because he built a boat. I mean, it was a pretty impressive boat. I'll give him that. But he's not like Gideon and Joshua and Deborah. He did not lead armies. He's not like a man of God prophet as Samuel or Elijah are described. He ain't killing any giants, Noah. Like, he doesn't lead a nation out of slavery like Moses did. He didn't save an entire nation like Esther did. In fact, he, the only people he saves is his immediate family, and he didn't even invite his mother-in-law on board. <laughs> he built a boat. Yes, it was a very big boat, and yes, it was the first of its kind. I'll give him that. And the Bible describes him also as being righteous. But we do know as well that he wasn't perfect. Later on in the story, we're told that he got drunk on his own homebrew and that his sons found him naked in his tent. He's not perfect. And yet, yet he made it into the faith hall of fame that we read about in Hebrews. His faith is something that in Hebrews we are urged to look up to. His faith is something that's written into the pages of Scripture to encourage you and I to model our own faith after. And that, friends, is the beauty of the story of Noah. That is why I believe we need to stop and listen and lean in a little bit to this man's story because if a man who is as ordinary and as imperfect as me and as ordinary and imperfect as you can have such a faith, then there is some hope for you and I today. There is hope for each, and our, each of us that we might be able to carry the same kind of faith that Noah had in his journey with the Lord. And you see, what made Noah great was not that he necessarily did anything great. What made Noah great was not that he built a giant boat. What made Noah great is actually found in Genesis 6, verse 9, where we read that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. And then we see it right here, where it says, Noah walked with God. Here is the secret to Noah's greatness. Here we revealed the secret to this great faith that landed him in the faith hall of fame. Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God, and I want us to look today at this idea of walking with the Lord. Because through, as I read throughout Noah's story, I realized that Noah walked with God, but it definitely wasn't a walk in the park. And for you and I today, we too, just like Noah, are called to walk with God. And yet I think you'd agree with me out of the experience of your own life, and I can say this out of the experience of my life, that walking with the Lord is not easy. Sometimes that walk is hard. Sometimes that walk feels really long. 
Sometimes it feels windy. Sometimes I don't know where I'm going. Sometimes I feel like I get off track. Sometimes that walk is lonely. Sometimes the walk's real stormy. Sometimes it's uphills. Sometimes it's downhills. Sometimes it's rocky. Sometimes it's unclear. But today, I want us to learn from Noah. I want us to learn a little bit about how he walked. And there are two things I really noticed about this that I think could help you and I today in our journey, in our walk. You ready? All right. Well, I'm going to go even if you're ready. Uh, First one is this. Sometimes the walk is silent. Sometimes the walk is silent. I can see by the nodding around the room that you guys know those times of silence. Let me show you something that happens in chapter 7 and 8 of Genesis. There's this mirroring that we see of the days of events that take place in this story. I'll explain it to you. In God's instructions, he says, in seven days, I will flood the earth. And following his instruction, it says that Noah did everything that the Lord commanded. The ark, the animals, the family on the boat. It says, after seven days, the rain began to fall. Then it says, for 40 days and 40 nights, the flood came. Then the Bible records that the flood waters covered the earth for 150 days And then we learn that the floodwaters began to recede and that after another, a second 150 days, the boat came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. 40 days on, Noah releases a raven and then a dove. Both find no place to land. After waiting seven days, he sent the dove again. This time it returned with an olive leaf. He waited a second seven days, released the dove again. This time it didn't return. The floodwaters continued receding. The earth became dry and God opened the doors and Noah and his family stepped off the ark. What we see here, and I'm gonna show it to you in a wee diagram because this is how I pictured it when I discovered it and learned about this mirroring. What we see here is a pattern. There's a mirroring of days. We first see seven, seven, 40, 50, and then it, repeats itself, this time going the other way, 150, uh, 47, 7. See, here is what we know about what God told Noah about what was going to take place. He was told that the world was corrupt and that God was going to wipe everybody out via a flood. He was given some pretty clear and very specific set of instructions about how to build the ark, who was to come in, and what to bring on board. And then he was told that it would rain for 40 days and 40 nights. And that's about it. He's told in seven days do this, and after seven days do this, and then he's going to do this for 40 days and 40 nights. And then God goes silent. There was no plan after the rain. There was no information on when the floodwaters would receive, There was no time frame on how long the earth would stay flooded. There's no instruction on how long they would have to stay on that boat. There was no information about where they would end up or what they would do afterwards. As far as we know, there were no mid-build catch-ups. There was no post-build debriefs. There were no mid-flood check-ins. God went silent. Please also keep in mind that prior to this flood, they had not seen rain, didn't know what rain was. The way that the, that the ground was watered 
was through springs that came up out of the earth. Nothing fell yet from the sky. Noah was in completely unknown territory here. He was given limited information about something he had no reference or knowledge on. He was not told much of the when, the how, the who, the what. And then God went silent. We hear no further instruction from the Lord until over a year after he closed the door on the boat. In fact, I calculated that it was approximately 454 days from when God said, close the doors of the boat until he said, you can leave the boat. From when God said, close the doors of the boat in Genesis 7 till when he said, it's time to leave the ark in, uh, in Genesis 8.15. Imagine it. You just imagine what Noah would have felt in that place on the journey. Imagine being right here after 150 days of being in that ark and still having heard no word from the Lord. Imagine what it would have been like. No news on when it would end. The world as he knew it had completely disappeared along with every person outside his family that he even knew. He's trapped. He's trapped in this floating prison filled with animal chaos and probably some family drama too. I reckon for Noah, after about 150 days, right there in that place, he would have wondered, God, have you forgotten that we're here? Hello? Do do you remember that we're still here in this ark thing you asked me to build and put us all in? Like I would have, right? I would have felt forgotten by God, and I bet you can easily imagine what that's like because I guarantee you there have been moments in your journey where you have felt the same. There have probably been moments in your journey where you've wondered if God has forgotten all about you. We've all been through seasons where we felt like God's gone silent on us. We've all been through seasons where the instructions feel vague, where the timing's unknown, where the, our questions, they go unanswered, our prayers go unanswered, where we don't have all the information, where there's no, not much of a what or a how or a when or a where. Here's the thing. Obedience would be easy if we knew all the details. Wouldn't it? Obedience would be easy if we knew the outcome, if we knew the destination. But more often than not, the obedience that this walk with the Lord requires of us comes with an element of the unknown. It takes faith to build an ark when we haven't seen any rain. It takes faith to get into an ark when you don't know when you're going to be allowed to get out again. That takes faith. And sometimes the walk with the Lord, it's silent. When I want us to have a look at that diagram again. What I find most interesting about this mirroring is that there is a turning point here. There's a turning point right here in this mirroring. Right there in probably the most difficult, long, and trying times in Noah's journey, when the road ahead was still unknown, we see that the road begins to turn. And right there in that place, if I could get you to flick to the next diagram, Right there in that place, after the first 150 days, we read in Genesis 8-1, but God remembered Noah. Right there, in probably the hardest point, in probably the most difficult place. They'd been 150 days in this ark. 
just floating, middle of nowhere, completely surrounded by chaos, absolutely silence from God, no idea what's going on. And all of a sudden we read those words in Genesis 8, but God remembered Noah. But wait a minute, did God actually forget Noah? Like I know, I know that it feels like that sometimes on the journey, but do you mean to tell me that he really did forget that Noah was in the ark? Here's the thing, that Hebrew word for remember in this scripture, in this verse is zakah, which is a remembering that leads to action. So it wasn't so much that God forgot Noah. He really didn't. It was simply that now was the time for him to act. And when we read that God remembers Noah, in the same way that we read all throughout Scripture that there are many other people that he remembers, God remembered Rachel and God remembered Sarah and God remembered Abraham and all others throughout Scripture, we know that it is always followed by a God moving. He remembers and then he moves. He remembers and then he works. He remembers and then change comes. God remembers and then he acts. And I wonder if in your deepest, darkest place, I wonder if in your place where you feel hopeless and forgotten and forsaken, that it would give you a bit of encouragement today to know that your turning point is on its way, even if you don't know it yet. Because I think it's really important for us to take a minute to notice that here in that place, Noah didn't know he'd hit the turning point. He didn't know. He was still floating in the middle of nowhere. He was still out there. He didn't know that the waters had began to recede. He, as far as he could see, with his physical eye, his circumstances, they were still the same. And yet we know that God was at work. We know that God was bringing change. We know that God was about to act. And perhaps today is a reminder to you that even when the walk is silent, you are not forgotten by God. Maybe today you need to hear that even though your walk might be silent, God is at work. His presence with you remains. His, his promise to you remains. And he will, in the same way that he did for Noah, he will bring you into a place where you will find new life and freedom and fruitfulness and hope in your journey. Sometimes, friend, the walk is silent. But I promise you today, you are not forgotten by God and you are not forsaken by him either. Number two, here's the second thing I learned or noticed about Noah's walk. Sometimes we walk against the grain. Sometimes we walk against the grain. One of the things that I have heard regularly preached when I hear someone bring a message about Noah and Noah's ark, one of the things I hear them talk about is that Noah would, would have been mocked and ridiculed by those around him for building an ark in the middle of nowhere in a place where there's no rain. The story's often elaborated on, and if we've watched Evan Almighty, we know that Noah is even portrayed in that movie as being a little bit on the crazy side. However, if you read through Genesis 6, 7, and 8, where you find the story of Noah's ark, and if you also look at the other mentions of Noah in Hebrews and in 2 Peter, there's actually no reference for anyone ridiculing or mocking Noah for his boat-building endeavors. The idea 
that people mocked Noah is one of those details that most of us have heard many times, and we simply assume that Scripture states it outright. And given the sinful nature of man and also the wickedness that is described of the pre-flood world, it's certainly plausible that Noah, being a preacher of righteousness, probably would have come up against or endured some scoffers. See, often this is what happens. The Bible provides limited details on historical events, and it naturally, our imagination can sometimes get away with us, and we often imagine how things were, and we fill in the gaps with our own notions, but we're never actually told in this situation that Noah even had an audience for his boat building, let alone a condemning one. We're not told that anyone even saw what was going on or that they were able to view this boat that he was building. And yet, here's what we do know. We do know that Noah lived in a world that was counter to the ways of God. We do know that Noah walked the narrow path of righteousness in a world that was very unrighteous. We know that Noah lived differently to those that he was surrounded by. And in a world described as wicked, I can only imagine that Noah's walk would have gone against every grain of the culture that he was living in. And you and I both know that back then for Noah, and today in 2023, that is not an easy walk. And yet, it is a walk that as people of faith, we are walking today. Because I know that in your workplace, even just in your community, on the Facebook grapevine, I know that in your universities, maybe at your school if you're a student here today, I know that in some of your friend circles, even in your home or amongst some of your family, you may feel like you are walking against the grain of the culture that you are surrounded by. The way that Noah walked with God in the midst of a world intent on evil is a model for us to follow after. And it is not far, Noah's experience is probably not far from what many of us experience in our world today. So how did Noah do it? Well, we find it repeated again and again throughout this story. Again and again, we see these words written, Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. Here's what Noah did. Noah trusted the Lord's ways above the world's ways. He trusted the Lord's ways over the world's ways. And I think there is no greater time than right now for you and I to determine that we are going to commit to trusting the Lord's ways over the world's ways. That even when it's difficult, even if it feels uncomfortable, that, that even though it feels like it's going against the grain of culture, that we're actually committed to not just walking, but to a walk of righteousness and obedience. And that is not always easy. For you and I, a walk of righteousness and obedience comes through developing our relationship with the Lord, with, through prayer and through reading the Word, so that you and I can both grow to a point where we hear His voice and we know His Word. Because in a world that is so loudly proclaiming what is counter to the ways of God, 
we need to have confidence that we know his word and that we hear from him. We need to know his word if we're gonna walk against the grain of culture. We need to know his voice so that we can, like Noah, do exactly as the Lord commands. And so here's the question I think we should be asking ourselves. Am I committing time each day to my walk with the Lord? Am I making time to pray? Am I setting aside time to spend time in the Word? Am I opening His Word every day? Because if I don't know it, I can't put my trust in it. If I don't know it, then I can't put His ways above the world's ways. I've got to know Him. I've got to know His ways. Keys, you can come and join me now, Myra. Noah walked with the Lord. And it was through that walk that Noah experienced the grace and favor of the Lord over his life. And he experienced it in every season, the silent seasons. Some of you know the silent season right now. The lonely seasons. Some of you know that season. Feeling pretty alone right now. The difficult seasons, the rocky season chaotic season. Some of you are in a season right now where everything feels completely out of your control. You are so overwhelmed. You're like, that's the season. I just feel like I'm walking in right now. The scary season. Noah walked with God and he found blessing and favor in his life. And I just believe today that for some of you, even if you're in one of those seasons, that when we walk with the Lord, we will experience his grace and his favor in our life. Even though the walk is silent and even though it's not an easy one. Because here's the good news for you and I. And listen, we get one benefit that Noah didn't have. We have a constant and even physical reminder of God's faithfulness in our walk. Genesis 9, and God said, this is a sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations. That's me and you. I have placed my bow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I form clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all the living creatures. Water will never again become a flood to destroy every creature. I will, uh, the bow will be in the clouds and I will look at it and remember the permanent covenant between God and all the living creatures on earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and every creature on earth. You'll notice there he mentioned his covenant many, many times. He repeated himself over and over again, talking about how he will remember his covenant and you know, oftentimes I find in the Bible that when God repeats something twice, three times, we better sit up and listen because he's trying to tell us something. He's trying to communicate something. And I think God wants to remind us today that through this scripture, through this image of this rainbow, he's trying to say to us, I'm not just a God who makes promises. I'm a God who intends to keep them. He's not just a promise-making God. He's a promise-keeping God. 
In fact, just in my Bible reading this morning, I read again in Psalm 145, it said the Lord always keeps his promises. And we can stand firm on that word. And on our walk of uphills and downs, of off-roading sometimes, windy paths, it's so, so important that we know that what God has spoken can be trusted because he can be trusted. And that rainbow is a reminder to us even today, all these years later, is a reminder, it's an everlasting symbol of his unfailing word, testifying to his faithfulness in every single season as we walk with the Lord. And, the, and Noah walked with God. I'd love to pray for you today. I'd love to just believe in your situation. So just if I could get every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not sure what your walk is like at the moment. I don't know how walking is for you. Maybe you're in a season where it is a walk in the park. But I know that that doesn't last forever. And we all at times will face seasons and situations where it's tricky and it's hard. And I'm not sure what where you are at in your walk right now, but I would absolutely consider it just a blessing if I could pray for you. And so I just want you to, right now, just lift up your circumstance. Whatever it is, maybe something I've spoken about today has just touched your heart and maybe you just found yourself in some of the examples that I gave today. I would love to just lift you in prayer right now, Lord. I just pray for every person seated in this auditorium, every person under the sound of my voice. Lord, I just pray in, over their season, their situation, their walk right now, whether it be a lonely season, a difficult season, a season that, where they are finding themselves to be fearful, a season where they're finding themselves to be lonely, Lord, a season where they're in the unknown or where it's just really uncomfortable right now, I just pray that they would know a sense of your presence, that they would know that they are not forgotten by you, I pray for every person who feels like they are Noah sitting in a boat for 150 days, not knowing when he was going to be allowed out, floating in the middle of nowhere. Lord, I pray that they would know that they are seen and known by you, that you have not forgotten them, that you have not forsaken them, but they are remembered by the Lord. God, I thank you. I thank you that you do not leave us. And I just pray for every person as well. I pray for us all as we enter into our communities and our workplaces and our universities, God. And as we walk against the grain of the culture so often that we are living in, Lord, I pray that you would help to, to, to increase our faith. God, give us a passion for your word, that we might know it. Lord, that we might know your voice and know your commands, O oh God, that we might trust in your, help us, Lord, to trust your ways above the world's ways. Lord, that we might be a light as well to help others along their walk too. I'd love to pray another prayer. And this is really for those people who right now, you just feel far from God. Maybe you feel like you've walked off the path and you are walking away from him. I'm not sure if this is something that you've never really walked with God before or if you have in the past, but you know you've walked away. And you know that today actually it's time to get back to God. It's time to step back onto that path of righteousness and obedience. And you know today that God has been speaking to you, even from the beginning of this service, you knew it. And so I don't really 
It doesn't bother me how many times you've prayed this prayer, but I'm going to pray a prayer in a few moments' time, and I would love it if you would join me in praying that prayer. God really does love you, and he created you, and he's got a plan for your life, but sin, it separates us from God, separates us from a holy God, but his plan for us, his greatest desire for us is that we would live in the new life that he gives us today and that we would also spend eternity with him. And so in his mercy and grace, he sent his son Jesus to live a sinless life on earth and then died a death he really didn't deserve, but to pay the debt for our sin, he was killed on a cross and he carried the weight of our sin so that we could have new life, so that we can have forgiveness from our sin, be reconciled to the Father and have new life in eternity too. And I'm going to pray a prayer, and once again, I'm inviting every single person who feels like they are far from God to pray this prayer with me. You ready? You pray it in your heart. I'll pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you that you paid the debt that I was due. I choose your forgiveness today. I turn from my old way of life, and I turn to you now. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a saviour. I thank you for the brand new life I find in you. I choose this day to live for you. In Jesus' name. If every head could still remain bowed and every eye closed, I would really just love to know who I prayed for today. It's not so that we can call you out or make you come down the front, nothing like that. I'd simply love to acknowledge you All I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three, and on the count of three, you can just pop your hand up like this, nice and high. I'll see it, I'll acknowledge it, and you can pop it straight back down again. Are you ready? Come on, we're going to take one more step together, a step that acknowledges that decision that you made. One, two, three. You're saying, Bex, count me in on that prayer. Awesome, I see you. Thank you. Anybody else, you're saying, Bex, can you count me in on that prayer? Awesome. Yeah, I see you down here to my left. Thank you, thank you, I see you. Yeah, up there, thank you, I see you. You're saying, Bex, yes, thank you, over here. I see you, yeah, down the back there, awesome. I see you. You're saying, Bex, I prayed that prayer. Maybe you prayed it a long time ago, but you know right now, yeah, I see you up there. You know right now you're far from God and you want to get your life right with him. Thank you, Lord, awesome. Awesome, so good. Lord, we just, we thank you so much for every person who just prayed that prayer, oh God, and we're just rejoicing in that decision and we're so proud of them. We think it is the best decision that they could ever make. Lord, I pray that today is a turning point for them, Lord Jesus, as they step off their old path and onto a new path with you. Father God, we just pray that they would experience your love and your goodness. Lord Jesus, that they would experience your nearness to them. Lord, that people would be able to surround them and help them on their journey. Father, we thank you so much and we rejoice as all of heaven rejoices too. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's give God our praise. Isn't he so good? Thank you, Chris. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.